start tracking the most important numbers for your business. Uh, there are so many uh, metrics and numbers that we don't need, but uh, there would be three, four, five numbers that would be absolutely critical for your business. So- Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 557. Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your, oh my gosh, can you tell it's been a while since I recorded last? This is your host, (laughs) Kim Sutton. Oh my, this is a great way to start an episode, but I'm just going to let it roll because listeners, you know that positive productivity does not always mean perfection. So again, this is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Natasha Vorompiova. Did I get that right? Absolutely right. Thank you so very much, Kim. So great to be here today. (laughs) That is the most complicated last name I've ever said on the show, and I can't believe I got it on the first shot. Listeners, you have heard me mess up simpler. So Natasha (laughs) is a capacity architect from Systems Rock, but as with all guests on the podcast, I know you have an interesting backstory, so I'd love for you to share, share with listeners how you got to where you are today. Sure, Kim. Well, thank you once again for having me. It's it's absolutely a pleasure, and uh, I'm so 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 excited to to be with you here today. So my story is um, similar to many, I guess, stories of moms who did not want to part with their kids when when the kids were little. Um, so that's how I started my business. We had just moved to. Belgium. Um, I'm Russian myself, who used to live in Cyprus. So like that, that's whole other story. Wow. <laughs> uh, but we had just moved to Belgium, and my son at the time was um, eight months old. So he was little, and I, I, I was at this crossroads. Um, I was trying to find a job, and at the same time, I didn't really want to find a job because uh, it would mean long commute, and I did not want to spend my entire day uh, in the office. Um, so I decided to just try it out and start an online business. <laughs> so it was very unexpected and very, I, I was not prepared at all because I've never had a business before. So even though I've always been uh, super organized and uh, did a lot of uh, project management for for the companies that I've worked for before, when I started my business, I felt totally drowning in everything that I needed to do. Um, you and me I... both. What's, <laughs> Natasha, what what were you doing before you started your business? What type of job were you doing? Um, my last job was working for KPMG in Cyprus. Okay. Um, and I, so I was corporate working, to the I, max. Yes, yes. I, I've done quite a few corporate uh, jobs because I, I've i moved quite a bit. So in addition to just being born in Ukraine and living in Cyprus, I also studied in the US. So there were a couple of uh, office jobs there. So it's been like I've, I've never, never, ever in my life <laughs> um, could, have, could have predicted that I would, I would have a business. Uh, so that was very... Very interesting move. Yeah. Uh, 
But in addition to that, it was just so hard getting used to working from home and juggling the household and little baby. Plus, I was uh, learning mm-hmm. uh, Flemish, which is a language uh, that they speak in the region of Belgium where we live. So there was there was quite a bit growing on. So my business was not really moving forward for a while. And I was going to do... Um, I was going to be a marketing consultant because that was my background. So I thought that's okay. Like I've done it before. Now I can do it online, but it was not really happening. So um, I was just listening to to the interviews of more established business owners to understand like what is the secret? <laughs> How do they do it? And the word that I kept hearing was like like systems, systems, systems are important. Systems are really necessary for you to run a business. But I was kind of like not really paying attention to that advice just because I thought that systems would be something that a larger business would need, like a business with a bunch of employees and really structured processes and conveyor belts and (laughs) all of that. until one day, I was listening to the interview with Laura Roder, um, who also said that systems are super important and we've got to have systems. Uh, but she also mentioned that system uh, can be as simple as a checklist. And then it clicked for me. Then like, all of the, the pieces kind of like fell into place. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, as a small business and one person business, I could still have systems. I could still rely on those things that I've been relying on when I was working uh, in the corporate world and things that I'm used to doing. I just, I wasn't applying them um, to just working from home and running my my business. And from the moment that I started experimenting with with systems and structures uh, for myself, things started actually work slowly slowly, I had to tell you Natasha the mm -hmm. pillars of positive productivity as far as the business goes are systems support and self-care because I think that without systems and support you can run yourself into the ground absolutely as a business owner and it took me five years to figure that out five (laughs) like it was really bad by the time I got there but then when I finally started getting them up well, I had to back up a second. I was the same way as you. I was like, I, there's no place for systems in my business. But then simple systems like creating a numbered list of how to handle my inbox for the assistant who does. Like yeah. throw these emails out, put these there, put these here, you know, assign these to me. Just getting that one system so I don't need to be the only one touching my inbox. Was, that saved me hours. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it, it so it doesn't need to be complicated. It's just all these things that we find ourselves doing over and over again, the same fires that we can keep putting out over and over again. That that's alone. Like if, if every time like we come across something that okay, I've dealt with this, like apparently this is something that um, keeps popping up. Like what what is the structured way that I could, I could handle this. So like, let me take an extra five minutes to either create a checklist or like something for me to rely on next time this happens. And like this, yeah, it it can be super, super simple. (laughs) 
I have another confession, and I know listeners have already heard this, but it took me seven years to read the E Myth. Have you read that? <laughs> yes, 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 I have. Not, I only read it like, away, six months ago, yeah. and I was I was kicking myself the whole way through. Why didn't you read this earlier? Like seriously, <laughs> like seven years ago. There's a reason why three out of every four podcasts that I listen to talk about the book, and. Sometimes I'm just stubborn like that. I want to ask when you got pregnant and you said a son, right? Eight months old yes. at the time. Yes. When yes. you, when you found out you were pregnant, did you have any idea that you would want to stay home? Well, at the time I was in Cyprus and I took a long, uh, maternity leave. It okay. was like for six months. So okay. I, uh, I kind of, I got so used to being with him. I, I, I didn't like, I couldn't really predict what, what would happen because mm-hmm. it was my very first child. So everything was new. Um, plus I knew that I would move. Uh, so I, I couldn't plan that far out. It, it was just like, there were like so, so many things were like not, not predictable. Um, and I actually, I tried looking for a job. I, I, did. But the thing was that even though I, I know a bunch of languages, uh, when I moved to Belgium, I realized that none of them is super useful because here in Belgium, you need to know Flemish, Ger- German and French, even to, to be a receptionist or a um, waitress. So and I, I really did not want to go that route, but <laughs> even that was kind of closed uh, so I started looking for other options, and it was a friend of mine who who suggested a, a friend of mine. I um, um, I met back when I was living in in New York. Um, she suggested uh, to explore this whole online business thing. Like that that was totally new to me. Also, I went to Marie Forleo's last RHH live in two thousand twelve, eleven, eleven, and it's. It was really, really eye-opening because yeah. like, I realized that there was this whole other world that existed out there that I had no idea about. So um, it was quite a steep learning curve when I got back and I realized that this is something that I I could do and like not so Absolutely. <laughs> so my, my son was my oldest. He's 16 now. He was born in 2002. Complete surprise of a child. And I was a new college graduate living in or living outside of Manhattan doing interior design in Manhattan. And we, well, we weren't prepared for the daycare expenses. Mm-hmm. $400 a week for one kid was just mind blowing to me. I mean, I don't think I, even though I was out working in Manhattan, I don't think I was making, you know, much more than that a week. And then I never knew as a mother what it would feel like to hold my child. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, well, I thought he was going to come a lot earlier than he did. So I was off a month before he was born. And then here in the States, we typically get 12 weeks. So I had those two months with him. And after eight weeks, I can't, I can't, Uh I did. Okay. This is, I have never said this on the show before, but I will not deny that I went back to work to get my Christmas bonus and then I quit. 
because I just realized I could not not be with him. So yeah. this is the early days of, well, not necessarily internet. I guess the internet had been around for about six years, but eBay was really just getting established. And I, my first, if you want to call it business, was selling books that I found at garage sales mm-hmm. on eBay. Yeah. And it would drive my ex-husband crazy. Every weekend I wanted to go scour garage sales for books. And every weekend I would bring home boxes. So our whole little apartment was full of boxes of books. And poor Jacob, he would be there in his bouncer while I was (laughs) posting stuff. And we would take trips every day to the post office to mail. But yeah, that and that was pre-Marie Forleo and Laura Ritter. But they were two of my early influences when I started round two of entrepreneurship or round three, I guess that this is. So what was the big just, pivotal uh, moment for you? Uh, before I answer that, I just want to point something out because I, I think about it a lot and how, what, what you just mentioned, it just, uh, it, it just shows how much we are willing, like the length that we are willing to go into to to be with our kids and to create this childhood for them that we want them to have. Yeah. Because I, I really, really, I, I so often think about the sacrifices that we have to make or things that a lot of times, like I would, I would read my son bedtime story and I, and I would look at him and I was just like in my head, like there is like still some to do's like for the business or this or that. And I look at him and I'm, and he's like so happy. Like he's totally oblivious to everything that like we um, as parents need to do. But I was just like, my goodness, like you will not know all of this until you are a parent. But right now you're so happy. And I'm so happy that you have this really amazing childhood where you don't need to worry about these things. So it's, I don't know. This is just, it's a lot of times it's just like so striking to me. (laughs) Oh, it is. And I've been trying to tell my kids now because growing up, it was an expectation of college in Mm -hmm. my family. And I'm not even talking to my older two about college. It will, except for one who's already let us know that he wants to go to college on a soccer scholarship. So we're doing what we can now to prepare him for that. But the other one who's even closer, he'll be going in two years if he does go straight out of high school. Like, I'm not even bringing it up because I don't, who's to say anymore if college is the right way to go? But for my younger three, because if, if if this is your first time listening, dear listener, I have four year old twins and a five year old as well. And I've been letting them know you can be anything you want when you grow up. And one of the twins last night said, he said, Dada, I want to be a toilet flusher man when I grow up. (laughs) And and my husband says back to him, well, that's a noble profession. He was totally serious. He's like, that's that will contribute greatly to society for the people who forget to flush. And I'm just sitting there like, that's not quite what I meant. But okay, we'll go with that for right now. If he wants to be a toilet flusher man, at least he'll have a job. I think he would have the job anywhere. Yes, he could have the job literally anywhere. When I left, when I left my old, uh, my first husband, 
I worked at Chipotle and this is not a knock to Chipotle, but as the cash register, it was my responsibility to take care of the bathrooms. And some days I wish I would have had that toilet flusher man. So <laughs> dear listeners, please remember to flush and wash your hands. Daniel Tiger, at least in the States, flush and wash and be on your way, please. Yes. So what was your big pivotal moment? Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, where we go off topic and talk about toilet flushing. Um, Well, for those early days, uh, that was the biggest thing that changed, given the direction that I was going um, into with my business. Because once, once I realized that systems can be simple for small businesses and they they can be more complex for larger businesses and I started uh, experimenting with them it it just really opened my eyes to possibilities of just like having systems and like having peace of mind so as I was uh, creating my systems and sharing my (laughs) experiments with uh, with my uh, friends and acquaintances things would start working for them as well. So that's when I knew that I wanted to have more systems in my life (laughs) and in my business. And uh, that's when Systems Rock was born uh, out of just that, like my wanting to have more systems for me. And um, in those early days, I was maybe not even two, but one step further (laughs) from uh, or like more... uh, uh, I, I knew more about systems just a tiny bit from from people um, I was helping with systems but we kind of we grew up together <laughs> learning about systems and experimenting and uh, looking at what works and what doesn't work um, and I I never ever ever look uh, look back um, it's the more I do what I do and find a new ways of uh, not necessarily creating systems, but kind of like discovering what systems allow, the more I, I love what I do. And it's, it goes back to, I remember I, I had a panic attack only once in my life. And that was, I was, I was in college and I was maybe, maybe like, I don't know, 18 or 19 years old. And I remember I was doing this kind of internship thing and after one month I was going to work and I was standing on this stairway like really like not being able to breathe just just because I realized that every single internship that I had I would get so bored after one month because like in the beginning it would be fun and interesting learning new things but then once I would understand what I needed to do and I would get good at what I was doing, it would just get so boring. So Are we I sisters just... from another mother? <laughs> we might be. Can I, I well, I call it chronic idea disorder. I don't know if you heard that in any of the episodes that you listen to, but I have chronic idea disorder. I'm Listeners, you know, I've been writing the book for three years, but... I have chronic idea disorder. So I start working on it and then shiny object, shiny idea. (laughs) Maybe it's shiny idea syndrome pops in because then something else happens. Oh, I'm going to have to tweak that. That's mine, people. Chronic idea syndrome. (laughs) Um, No, 
shiny idea syndrome. Um, but yeah, I get bored so easily. Like how many hobbies I've started, but never <sighs> gone anywhere. Like I've bought stained glass kits and knitting supplies and scrapbooking supplies and Oh, you already heard about the books, but I it, I just get bored easily. I just want to, well, I've already interrupted you so rudely, but I just want to say something about systems for anybody who's listening. We're not talking about tools that you have to pay for necessarily. Yes, right. software, well, software as a service or software as a system, if we want to tweak it that way for this episode, but we're not talking about Infusionsoft or some automation tool necessarily. Yes, they can be great when you're developing your systems, but a bigger part of your systems is the procedures. Like, what are they? Uh, standard operating procedures? Mm -hmm. Do you have a better yeah. word for that? Because that sounds so formal. Like, um, I, I also talk about it as, as a processes or workflows, mm -hmm. basically workflows, the step by you. step that um, um, that happens for for you to go from super basically from point A to point B. It's it's really that set of um, actions that you need to take to accomplish something. And what what makes that a uh, step-by-step or a set of actions a system if when you follow uh, follow it uh, uh, several times you get the same outcome so when you get this predictable outcome it becomes a system mm. thank you what yeah. is the no, one that's, that's system great, in your business that you would say has made the biggest difference for you oh, that's a great question um, I think this, I mean, I'll, I'll answer it slightly differently because it's, I, I don't think it's about the system, but it's, it's about the approach. The moment I started looking at my systems, this step-by-steps workflows as something, uh, that when I'm creating it, um, I'm looking at would somebody else be able to follow it? Th that's when things, uh, started shift for me um, mm -hmm. because the moment you you look at the step-by-step -step as something that could be delegated potentially then you look at that step-by-step -step very differently and you would explain it very differently so you basically step back and um, in, imagine taking somebody else through that process so when you teach your process to somebody even as you um, as you're preparing that system, that's, that step-by-step -step will, will be very, very different than like, just the checklist you create for yourself. So to me, um, this approach uh, was, some, was something that uh, made a very, very big difference. Natasha, I have a team of seven, I think. I was just trying to do a mental count. And the first big project, I can't even call it a task that I got off my plate, was podcast production. Because in three months, I spent over 200 hours back when the show was daily. I spent 200 hours doing my own podcast production. And at oh the end goodness. of those three months, I realized there's no money in the bank. Like, just to be totally honest, the bank account was red. We were approaching Christmas and I was like, holy moly, rent or presence. 
you know, and, and I was like, how did this happen? It's not like I don't have a complete client roster, but I'm exhausted. How did this happen? And when I looked and saw how much time I had spent, I realized there's a problem. So I started developing the systems poorly, I should say, because the people who are listening and editing this episode can tell you that they did all the work for setting up the systems. <laughs> but it's a policy of mine now that if you're going to, uh, well, first off, anybody on my team can tell me what else they want to try besides what they're doing now. And that's how my podcast production team started doing my podcast. They're like, can we give it a shot? But if anybody wants to move to a different area of the business, I'm like, yes, but we need the SOPs for what you're doing now so that the next, the person that you bring on and you train has it. And then if they need to make revisions, they can to make it more workable. But I've gotten it out of my hands and my team is creating those now. And it's been amazing. Are there any first, and I know this would be different from everybody, but what approach would you like your clients to take? Actually, I better back up. How do you work with your clients? <laughs> because my question well, was, how do you get them to actually start getting their systems in order? Or do you actually dig in for people? But I guess it would be better to know what do you do? I want you to tell listeners. Um, yeah, so I used to... Um, my my offerings have changed. <laughs> so I used to help my clients to to create systems, and we would do it together. And uh, we would um, identify uh, the critical areas where we need to create systems, and um, I would guide them through the process. A lot of times, I would be the one who who creates kind of basic system for them, um, and then they need to uh, start using it so that we could fine tune it. Um, that process also evolved and the latest iteration of that service was that I would create actually systems for my clients directly in their uh, project management tools. So directly in Asana or directly in Trello. Um, so we would outline either individual steps or subtasks that would need to happen um, uh, or we would map out the, the project or methodology of how they work with, with clients so that they are very clear on steps that, that happen every single time. So basically, we would create this template of a project for them that they would uh, first test and we would fine-tune it and then they would simply copy it. And that worked best for me because when, um, when I first started and we were just creating simple checklists that lived in individual documents that wasn't very helpful they would still need to kind of figure out how to then um, use those checklists or make sure that they use them but the moment we started doing it directly in um, their project management tool uh, then it became um, super super usable right away just because they did not need to switch different tools or or figure out how to do it it was a part of the process um i even um had a um, group program back in the day and i would deliver the materials directly into the project management tool because that was that was the way for me to not just uh force so to speak my students to start using systems but how just understand how 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 simple it actually is uh and the moment that they would start using it then 
they would just fall in love with, with, with systems. They would start seeing systems everywhere. So um, that was um, that was how I used used to work with with clients. Um, now my services have changed. Um, so what we do now for our clients is we create KPI dashboards. Uh, and a lot of times it includes optimizing systems uh, and processes on the back end, just because a lot of um, our clients, um, they find themselves in a situation where they grew very quickly and they have um, kind of little islands of systems. So uh, as they grow, like they, they create systems um, in these individual areas, but a lot of times those systems don't really talk to each other. So when we come in, we kind of like bring it all together. We, we look at the back end and we, uh, we optimize how things flow so that those systems start talking to each other and that the documents don't live in like 15 different places and like you need to switch 15 different tools to get access to what you need. But then uh, by the time you, you, you are uh, finished kind of checking uh, all of those individual tools, it's really not possible to actually compare data or numbers or get this at a glance view. So something that evolved out of my working with with businesses was just creating these dashboards where you can look at the numbers that will help you grow your business. Um, and this can be lead generation and sales numbers, or it can be revenue uh, forecast and um, cash projections, or it can be the way you work with um, your uh, group participants or like how, how you deliver the service so that you have these numbers for where are the clients on this, um, like how, how um, are they achieving the goals? Like, do you have access to, to the review forms or anything that um, you have them fill out so that you are certain that they are actually getting uh, the results um, that you promised them? Um, different capacity numbers. So um, it, it does change from client to client, but um, this is something that uh, we've been really, really excited about lately. <laughs> the numbers and dashboards and uh, different metrics, the important metrics. This is like entrepreneur tech porn right here. Like this just makes me like really excited. I want to see a dashboard. Like I want to know what's working, what's not. Oh my gosh, I am so excited. <laughs> Wow. Well, let's. Uh, what I will do is uh, before we started uh, to record, uh, you you asked what what I would share. So let me do exactly this. I will create a little video and show an example of a dashboard for all our listeners, and I will show how easy it is to create it and navigate it because I know. Um, some creatives, uh, they shy away from numbers, and this is something that they don't uh, Me. like. Yes. But <laughs> uh, when when you have them like nicely color-coded and everything really, like, you can see at a glance what you need to see. And when you enter those numbers in one place, they get entered everywhere they where they need to be entered, and you don't need to re-enter that the same information. It's... it's 
it is very, very pleasurable <laughs> to work with, with that dashboard. And this is something that like, I find when, when we create this for our clients, they, it, it really transforms the way they do business because they go from just guessing what, uh, what are the trends or what, are, what their clients are doing or where we are with, with our sales or why, are, um, wh- why do we have these, uh, why, why this number of prospects converts into leads, but then like, at, at different times it doesn't. What marketing activity works better than the other? When, when you have all of that as numbers, you can actually make decisions that are driven by those numbers versus just your guesses and hunches. I love that. And Natasha, I'm curious, when you're talking about a dashboard, did you transition then into software as a service? Are you, do you have a software that's providing this? No, no, no. We do not build anything from scratch just because, um, I mean, not, not just because possibly in the future, uh, but right now, what we uh, the way we do it is we look at the tools um, and that the client is using and the processes that they have in place, and we find um, an optimal solution. And we suggest new tools to, um, if if necessary, um, to streamline things. So mm-hmm. if the client is using a tool that that's already that could be used in several ways instead of one, because this is like my biggest thing. I really, I'm, I'm such a minimalist when it comes to tools. I really don't like, don't, don't like it when we use tools, when, when we use each single tool to do one single thing. It just, it just, it drives me crazy. I, yes. I love using tools that do, instead of the 10 tools doing t- uh, one thing each, use a tool that does, 10 things and everything is in one place. So that's what we look for when, uh, when we examine the back end of our clients. What are those opportunities? Um, does she or he have a tool that can be performing more functions than one? Or can we introduce a new tool that will replace five other different tools? And this is uh, like a lot of times that that's what happens when client uses like, several places where um, he or she stores documents when say uh feedback forms live in type form and then uh documents live in google drive and also dropbox but then there are also testimonials on social media and there is content that lives like somewhere else so it's it's you don't even know what what to look at and, and where, where to find that information so all of that needs to live in in one place and maybe it, it doesn't mean that there needs to be one single tool where it will be stored, but the data about uh, all of this it needs to be in one place. And a lot of times we can streamline to the point where um, it is automated and you don't need to be adding it manually. So it, it is possible, but we do not build a new um, kind of like new, new software. We, we customize uh, what what is available already based on the client's needs. You have me thinking about my own business now because I use Google Drive, Dropbox, and iCloud. I would drive you crazy. Uh, we've, we've had situations where it was even worse. So no worries, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I only have one project, project management tool. From the, from the marketing automation side of me, 
you know, I have, I've had clients come in who are worried about the cost of, I'm just going to pick on Infusionsoft for a second, who are worried about the cost of Infusionsoft, but they're using six to seven other tools to do this, that, and everything that one mm-hmm. tool Infusionsoft can do. Well, you drop those other six exactly. off and voila, there's Absolutely. your money for Infusionsoft now. Absolutely. And you log in and you have one dashboard, quite literally a dashboard where you see all yep. your KPIs for yep. for that function. But yeah, that's, and I'm not saying people, I'm not saying that Infusionsoft is right for everybody at all, but that's just an example from, from my realm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love every single second of this conversation. And by the way, I would love for you to come. I'm just putting this out there. Listeners, you haven't heard me talk about it yet, but the positive productivity pod has launched and you can go to the show notes page and find out how to join for only a dollar. But I would love Natasha, if you would come in and give a, a, a lesson to the members and show them how this is so important, because as I already said, systems, support and self-care are the pillars. So let's talk about that after we stop recording. Sure, absolutely. And yes, I saw the email and I was like so tempted. I'm just like, I want to be a founding member as well. So yes, yes. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, I, where can listeners go to find out more about you and, and get enrolled in one of your programs? Um, at the moment, I don't have any programs. Um, I work with, with clients one on one. Well, let's if, just call that you, a program. <laughs> okay. Um, but if, if you'd like to um, ask a, a specific question, you can um, go to systemsrock.com forward slash connect. Or I have a really, really large number of, of resources um, on systemsrock.com. There is a blog and there is um, a little uh, systems bootcamp um, on the resources section. Um, but I will also record a um, quick video um, as promised uh, for for just uh, our listeners here. And uh, that will be on systemsrock.com forward slash positive dash productivity. And Kim, I'll, I'll give you the link uh, after, after the recording. Fabulous. So listeners, you can find the links for systemsrock.com, right? Mm-hmm. at com forward slash pp557 where you will find the transcription and the show notes and everywhere that you can find Natasha. Natasha, this has been absolutely amazing. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. It's, it's such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Thank you. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? <laughs> Yes, and I will stick to the theme of our conversation. And I would urge um, everyone who is listening to us right now to start tracking the most important numbers for your business. Uh, There are so many uh, metrics and numbers that we don't need, but uh, there would be three, four, five numbers that would be absolutely critical for your business. So um, I invite you to think about what those numbers are and start tracking them. And it can be simple spreadsheet or um, any piece of document that allows you to see um, those numbers and see the trend uh, over time. And that can be as simple as if you offer, for example, a, um, 
um, if you work one-on-one -on -one with, with your clients, uh, you can look at how many conversations you have with your prospects and how many of those prospects become your clients so that you know how many people you need to speak with in order to get one client. Also know your capacity number. So if you work with people one-on-one, -on -one, how many clients do you need on a regular basis so that you bring um, in the amount of revenue that you want to bring? And given, again, your capacity, whether you do it by yourself or, or you have a team, just with these three numbers, you will be able to, to see what actions you need to take in order to have that desired number of clients so um, you don't um, experience... Um, uh, this highs and lows like, uh, you are looking for clients and there are clients and then you are working with clients and there are, like, all of a sudden there is no time to generate those leads um, so take a look at the numbers that you need to be tracking and create at least very very simple dashboard for yourself and as your business grows uh, it will be very easy for you to grow that dashboard as well and build your business in in a in a very intentional way. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Uh -huh.